You're listening to a sermon from Realm Church. We're a church based in Oakland, California. For more information about us, visit therealmchurch.com. This sermon comes to us from Pastor James Westbrook. Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come in. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God, and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that the three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. All right, so I'm going to start off with this question. What if I told you that I had something to share with you? And... Uh, I want to share this thing with you, but um, it's going to be right before I depart. See, I'm, I'm about to leave somewhere. I'm about to go somewhere, and I want to share something with you. I think that you would say that it's probably pretty important if we're going to qualify this as a statement of last words. The idea of last words are very important. 
And that's exactly where we find ourselves today. And looking at Acts chapter 20, we see Paul, he's giving his last words to a group of people. And, and in last words, you're going to find what's most important to the person. And you're most likely going to be able to have access to the heart of the person as they share these last words. Paul has just called a meeting, and he's at, at the, um, the place called Miletus, and he's called a meeting with pastors and elders from Ephesus. Paul is, in, is, is called a meeting, and he wants to talk to the pastors that's responsible for giving oversight to the church, and he doesn't actually want to talk to the entire church. His heart is to talk to those that God has tasked with the responsibility of looking over the church. And so I think that we're going to all agree that that's very important. And we're going to look at what is Paul saying and what's on Paul's heart, what's on his mind. What is it that he wants to tell this church as we're going to see that they're filled with, with just uh, all these emotions of crying because Paul has no idea what's going to happen to him. So before we go into the second half of the chapter of chapter 20 to focus in on our text, Paul is going to go say over and over again after he assembled this group of elders, he's going to say that, hey, listen, I want you to hear this. I want you to know that, that I want you to see and, and recognize how I lived my life when I was amongst you. Well, how did I live my life when I was amongst you? I, I preached nothing but Jesus. I gave you Jesus. Over and over again, I preach repentance. And I say that, hey, I want you to repent toward God. And I want you to yield your life to this Jesus who is Lord, in fact, of life. He says over and over again, you've seen me proclaim the gospel to the Greeks and to the Jews. Day in and day out, from house to house, as well as public, I have given you nothing but Jesus. And I did not shrink back from proclaiming to you all that was profitable and all that was the word of God. And he says that this interesting term, this phrase, he says that, as a matter of fact, I have proclaimed the whole counsel of God to you. That I did not get the chance to, or I did not choose to pick and choose what was easiest to say in this society. I did not cherry pick and say that, hey, I'm only going to give you what I think the society will like or what I think that you could, could uh, actually eat, what was palatable to you. No, I gave you the whole counsel of God and I didn't shrink back from that. But I have something that I want to tell you because you've seen my example. You've seen what I've done. But here's what I want to tell you. As I leave and listen to me realm, this is the same thing that I am admonished and I am commended to tell you because Paul right now is talking to pastors and this is the charge of the pastorate. Paul tells them, I want you to watch out for something. I want you to watch out for something that's going to happen when I leave. So let's look at a couple points here as to what is on the heart of Paul when he's talking to this church. He wants them and talking to the pastors. He wants them to be watchful of something. And I want us to be watchful as well. Paul says this. <clears throat> he says in verse 28, he says, listen, pastors, I want you to pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. 
Paul is literally getting ready to go to Jerusalem and over and over again, he's telling them, I have no idea if I'm going to see you again. The Holy Spirit has confirmed to me over and over again within my spirit that I am most likely going to be um, taken and I'm going to be imprisoned and I'm going to be probably even deceased for the purpose of the gospel. But listen, before I leave, I want you to listen to this thing. Pastors, you are tasked to pay close attention to spiritual threats in the lives of those in the church. He says, listen, I want you to know this, that as I'm getting ready to leave, you have to pay close attention to two categories of people because I want you to pay attention to the spiritual threats that actually exist and it's going to be present in your life as well as the life of those that you're overseeing, the flock. Pay close attention. He says, I want you to first pay close attention to your own life. Now, we actually sometimes get this wrong and what we emphasize or what pastors sometimes believe that they are only tasked to watch the lives of other people or kind of look in and peer in and see what other people are doing. The pastor that does not first do what is first, which is to first watch your own life, he is disqualified from the ministry. He says that, hey, I want you to first watch your life because there is a spiritual threat that is going to be looming, lurking, and it's going to be all about you and all around you. You have to be watchful for that purpose. And he also says that, hey, I also want you to watch the lives of those that you are placed in position to oversee. The first thing that Paul wants them to do is that he wants them to be watchful. Now, y'all know how much, once again, I love what Lord of the Rings. Uh, today, I was actually watching um, uh, the, the second installment, the second trinity, uh, if you will, a trilogy, not trinity, trilogy uh, from Peter Jackson, The Hobbit. On the last one, uh, with the Battle of the Five Armies, you have one guy in, this, in the movie. He's given the task to be watchful, to do a, a night watch. Uh, as they came in, uh, they said, hey, did you watch? Uh, for everything. Were you watchful tonight? And the man says, oh, nothing gets past me. Nothing gets past me. They literally walk outside and right outside the door, you have this full army of elves uh, ready to battle. How in the world did that get past you? And that tells me that you are not watching anything, right? The pastor is actually, actually tasked to watch out for himself and also to watch out for those whom the God, God has placed him over. Being watchful, watchful means that you are cognizant and you are diligent about seeing what's going on in the lives of people because you care for them. And I wanted to say that specifically, the Spirit of God is God himself that actually gives this authority to the pastor. If we don't understand this, we see this actually, if you don't understand the fact that verse 28 says that in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, that it's the Holy Spirit is actually doing this. If you don't understand that, then you won't ever actually appreciate or ever respect that it is a divine leadership that's in the life of the people making up the church and not a human institution. One. But I want to say this real quick as we move on with this is that, listen, there are things that make this very difficult for the pastor. 
is things that, that may actually be in place that make this difficult and even impossible that I want to talk about. But the pastor is not simply there to watch in order that he may spectate. No, it's to watch and to operate as overseers in order that we may show care for something that does not belong to us. See, we're going to see in this text here that it says that I want you, verse 28, once again, I want you to watch over the flock that God has placed you over that you may show care for them. And this body, this special community was bought by the very blood of Jesus. This is atonement language. This, the person is atoned. This is a community atoned by the work of Jesus on the cross because Christ died for this, this group of people, this church that will exist from uh, years past all the way to the end of time. This special body, they're blood-bought and they don't belong to, to humans or they don't belong to the pastor. They belong to God. And it's the pastor's responsibility to be watchful of that. Listen, I want you to listen to this principle as we go into what may make this difficult for pastors to do. One, the pastor is tasked with paying close attention to people's lives. Yeah, I'm actually tasked in any other pastor in realm, in any other pastor of a gospel-centered church across the world, they are actually tasked to be in your business. Ooh, I think that this is probably so difficult in the West and it's so difficult in the 21st century because we have such a me focus and we have such a, an independent um, uh, orientation of life where we don't believe that anyone has the right to tell us what to do because we're so independent. Most of the world does not actually operate like this. They don't think as independent being, they think as communal being. God has placed this overseer in or in the lives of people that they may have accountability and that they may have a person caring for them through oversight. Now, I want to talk about a couple of things that make this difficult. You have three things that I think that is making up the spirit of the person who rejects this type of accountability or rejects this type of care through oversight, a God thing. You have some people that say that I don't have to share my life with you, Pastor. You ever seen that person? I don't have to share. I can tell you after 12 to 13 or so years of pastoring, I've met this person over and over and over again. This is the person that says that I don't owe you anything. You just do your job. Say some nice words, but I do not owe you anything. They look at life as it's not owed. My life is not owed to you. Our, our information is not owed to you. And so they keep a distance. Pride is at the center of this. You also have some people that says that, listen, it's not, they, they may not say, I don't have to share, but they may say the words, I don't want to share. This is typically driven by things like, it doesn't matter if I'm seen. This is an apathetic approach to life in church where they don't believe that it doesn't matter. Or they may say things like, it doesn't take all of that, or it's not that serious, Pastor. But you also may have the person that says that, listen, maybe they don't say that I don't have to share or I don't want to share. Maybe they believe really that I can't share my life with you. And this is typically driven by fear, shame, and guilt. They say that I don't want to share. I can't share my life with you because if I share my life with you, that means that you will really see what's going on in my heart, what's going on in my life, and I may not actually then measure up to the image that I want to put off to you. And that is a very 
very dangerous place to be. And it's exactly where the enemy wants you to be. The pastor should never create an atmosphere where people believe that they have to be something that they're not. Where So much so where they feel like they have to wear a mask or masquerade something while they are suffering in the inside. Listen, I want to know, like, if, if you don't feel particularly Christian or if you don't feel particularly spiritual, if you've been struggling with doubt or if you've been struggling in your faith throughout the entire week, you say that, hey, I haven't even prayed or read my Bible the whole week. I want to know that because that's the only way I can care for you. And I will far prefer that than for you to feel that you have to seem Christian. That, I, that you may get the check from the pastor or that you may keep them at bay. That's very, very dangerous. That's why at Realm we focus in on this idea of being authentic people and being authentic selves because God gives us the freedom to operate in authenticity where we don't have to be afraid and be dying and be decaying from the inside with these hidden lives. No, I want to bring that to full light. This is why I'm here. This is why what I'm tasked with. And let me tell you, as, a, as I carry out the responsibility of doing that in my own life, watching my own life, that means that pastor also has to have accountability. And I have pastors in my life where I bear myself before that they may know. So I want you to know that even as an under-shepherd, I am accountable to people, but ultimately I'm accountable to Jesus himself. I want us to know this. What is it? So we, we get this, this idea that Paul, we get the, the, what he's after here. He wants the pastors, first and foremost, to be watchful. What does he want them to be watchful of? I mean, specifically, not just with his life, but also the life of the flock. But what is the danger? What is the threat? Here's the threat. Listen. In the absence of spiritual accountability... The presence of external threats rise. In the absence of spiritual accountability, the, the, the threat and the presence of external threats, they, they rise. Okay, let's go to the next verse here, verse 29. Luke records Paul's words here. He says that I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Paul says that, listen, I know for a fact that when I leave, two things are going to happen. I want to remind us that we see earlier in this chapter as Paul is having this conversation with the pastors from, uh, from Ephesus and he inviting them over to this place, Miletus, he's, he's telling them, listen, I don't believe that I'm going to see you again, for one. This is why they're weeping at the end of the chapter when he's getting ready to, to depart around verses 37, 38. He says, I don't believe that I'm actually going to see you again. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I have no idea what's going to happen to me, but I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to see you again. And that's exactly true. Because Paul knows that he's headed towards his death because he's getting ready to go to the place, the same place that killed Jesus and hung Jesus the same place he's declaring this Jesus. That's why he believes that I don't know. And it's with tears that he's saying this. He says, but two things are going to happen while I'm gone from you. 
He says, fierce wolves will come in among you and they won't spare the flock. Wolves are going to come among you and they won't spare the flock. And specifically, they're going to do something. They're going to speak with twisted things and they're going to try to lure you you away from the word of God and away from the teachings and the loving hands of God, of Jesus. They're going to try to lure you away. Wolves. Now, this is a common theme that we see over and over again in Scripture. This simile, this, this analogy that the church, we are sheep. And Jesus declared that he's sending his disciples out as sheep amongst the wolves. We see over and over again that God sees his people as sheep. Sheep that in need, they, they're in need of the guiding hand and the protecting hand of their shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd I'm what you will call in other pastors or what you will call under shepherds. And we're, we're elders, but we're under shepherds under God. Listen to what I'm saying here. Paul says that these wolves are going to come in. What is making up the sharp teeth of the wolves? What's the claws? What, what's the, the threat here that Paul sees with these wolves? Listen to this. The threat is the infiltration of that which is false and satanic entering into the community and lives of God's people. The threat comes from the outside is that whichever is false and satanic entering into the community of God. The threat are those things that proclaim ideas that make Jesus dull, distant, or irrelevant in your life. The threat is anything that will take you away from Jesus. And what specifically the threat is, and what we see in the, in the New Testament, the threat is, is false doctrine, false teachings are those things that are contrary to the gospel in your life. Listen to this question. What are those things and what are those ideas opposing the gospel in your life, Christian? What are those things that's pulling and warning you away from Jesus' love and His teachings and God's teachings in your life? What are those things? And here's the thing. What we see is we know that these wolves, they are people. They're people that come into the church and sometimes they masquerade and they themselves as sheep and they, they try to live amongst the people. He says, but listen, they are, going, they are actually pretty aggressive. They come and they come to destroy your faith and cause all types of confusion where we see in Scripture that the, the Satan, our enemy, our spiritual enemy, is the author of confusion. It's false ideas about God. It's their lies. But one thing that is true is that we know that this is Satan behind the scenes, but he does it through people. Now let me talk to you for a second. We know... And we've experienced in our own lives, and maybe this is you, you've experienced people in your lives that were actually wolves and they were came into the church. Some of us have deep trust issues with people, deep trust issues, because there were people that came in and they operated as wolves seeking to devour us and take advantage of us. And they might have done horrible things to us. And sometimes these are church people. And it doesn't mean that it happened at the church building, but maybe this happened at home in the dark. And maybe these are the people that were supposed to protect you from the wolves. What happens when those people are wolves themselves? What happens 
when the people calling themselves pastors are actually wolves. People that actually mean you harm and seek to prey on you. I know for a fact that there are people, thousands, countless amounts of people in the world that have experienced pastors as wolves. This is why scripture tells us to watch This is why we have a multiplicity or multiple people making up the team or making up the leadership of the church that they may have accountability. And I want to say as as a pastor that I want to say that that was not supposed to happen to you. And those things weren't supposed to happen to you when you were vulnerable and taken advantage of. And I'm so sorry. Paul knows this and he's bleeding his heart before he leaves. Watch out, be diligent and be watchful because wolves are going to come in and they're going to try to take advantage of God's people. And guess what happens? In the second century, literally 50 or so years or or, uh, 80 or so years, a little bit more than that, after this period, this area of the the, uh, world, Asia Minor, is actually known for spewing out all types of heresies. What Paul predicted actually happened. It is my job to be watchful of these things in your life. Listen, I cannot do this if you keep me at bay. I cannot do this in realm, and realm cannot be the full community that God wants it to be for your benefit and for my benefit if we keep each other in the dark. When I ask you, how are you doing? When I ask you, what's going on in your life? When I ask you to share with me, I'm asking you, like the old school preachers used to do, I'm asking you to entrust yourself to God and through Jesus through the function of my role. Share your life with me that the enemy may not be, may not be able to run roughshod and to cause confusion and to ruin your life because that's exactly what he wants to do is get you isolated and keep you quiet. Allow me to do what I have been called to do and tasked to do. I want to close with this. The pastor, the overseer that Paul is talking to, he's tasking them to be diligent and be watchful of the flock and of their own lives from the wolves that will come in to seeking to take, take away and destroy the gospel in your life and the belief that God is real. Jesus is the son of God and God offers salvation and a means of relationship with him through Jesus. He seeks to cause doubt in your life and the reality of the spirit in your life once you have confessed and if you're hearing this message and you're not a Christian, Satan through wolves and Satan through other means seeks to cause doubt in your life too by causing you to believe that, that God is not real. God cannot be known. This is a bunch of baloney. Know that you are under a spiritual attack. But he's going to give you, actually give us the pastors. He's going to give us the task or he's going to give us uh, not just the task, but he's going to give us what we need in order to carry out the task. And we see that actually in verses 31, 32 at the end of this, towards the end of this chapter, Paul is going to say these words, essentially, stay close to God and his word. If you want to know how to do this, the way to do this is not only do I have to be, or I must be, and others, other leaders must be in contact with one another or in contact with each other's lives. That's not the only way. 
It's also going to be by staying close to God in His Word. That's the primary way. Let's read that in verse 31, 32. Paul says, with all of these emotions, Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Verse 32, And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul commends two things to him. I commend to you who, not a what, a who, I commend to you God. I love that because he's not commending to you a bunch of stuff to do in order to feel spiritual. I, I don't ask you, I would not commend you to pray just for the sake of prayer. I don't want to ask you to fast just for the sake of fasting. I won't even ask you, this sounds weird, I won't even ask you to read the Bible just for the sake of reading the Bible. If all those things are done, and is done devoid of the reality that God is behind the reason that you do all these things, or a desire to connect deeply with God, if that's not at the center of that, then it is worthless. He says, I commend you to God first. God is real. Stay before this God trying to connect with this God. And this is going to become increasingly important even right now. Because right now we are meeting together by not being physically together because of this pandemic that is surrounding us right now across the entire world. As a pastor, my intenders are on high alert that as we are apart from one another physically, that there's going to be a desire for the that our enemy, our spiritual enemy, to cause all types of confusion and doubt in your life. I implore you, I commend you right now. Listen to Pastor James. Say it in your heart. Repeat it in your heart over and over again because I have to do the same thing. Stay close to God. The way you do that is by praying to God, talking to God, listening to God, play music do anything that allows you to infuse God in, uh, God's Word in your life, the reality of Him. Stay close to God. But not only stay close to God, but you do that also through His Word. He says, I commend to you God in the Word of His grace. I want to commend you to increase during this period, increase more than ever, increase your biblical intake. You're going to be able to do that by listening to gospel songs, Turn your favorite gospel song on. What is your favorite gospel song? Turn it on. Listen to it often. As a matter of fact, I want to encourage you to turn on some uh, some Christian radio. Listen to the, the Word of God. Listen to it on, on, on tape. Play it over and over again. You're going to need that right now because that's going to allow you in the same way when they say that, hey, what, what do they say with the COVID-19? If you got it, you got to be isolated and you got to surround yourself with things that's going to allow you to be a barrier to keep the things, uh, other things out so you can stay safe on the inside. Listen, if we're going to stay safe in the Word of God and God's presence while we are apart from one another, do what Paul says here because he gives this to the pastors that they may give it to their people. Inoculate yourself. Surround yourself with the Word of God. Surround yourself with the encouragement of your people, of, of, of the people that God has provided in your life. 
give your life to, to other fellow Christians, that they may see your life, that, they, that you may have a known life and a seen life. And also bring your life bare before the pastor that I may care for you in the way that God has tasked me to. I love you all. And let me now pray for us as we conclude our time together. Lord, I pray for realm that you will protect us from wolves that seek to devour us, that seek to rip us apart, that seek to bring in false teachings, false doctrines, false things, God, that opposes the truth and beauty of your word. Lord, I pray for us right now as we are situated all across the bay. Lord, we need your word. We need you. We pray all this in the name of Christ. Amen. Love y'all. See y'all next week.